Thank you, choir, orchestra. I absolutely love that song, as I do Noel. Steve, do them again next week. You got it. All right. I, I really do. I, I love those, uh, all that music. Well, Christmas is the biggest holiday of the year. In fact, a retail store becomes profitable or not, usually based on their Christmas sales. That causes me to wonder sometimes, why is it that they don't want Christmas when they make so much money off of it? I read an article that said that at the Christmas season, Americans will charge $130 billion on their credit cards. My granddaughter has her Christmas list on her phone, and when I ask her about Christmas and what she would like to have, she gets her phone and she says, this is my list, and don't surprise me. The biggest parties of the year are at Christmas, and if you have not already booked yours, chances are it's too late for you to do so. The biggest gifts of the year are given at Christmas time. The biggest gift that is given is the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Southern Baptist's goal this year for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering is $155 million that will be used to share the gospel around the world. In our own church, this time of year, the December month, determines whether we end the year in the red or in the black. It is big. The biggest program we have during the year is the Christmas pageant. There are about 10,000 people who see it here and 10,000 of others will see it when it runs on television. So the point that I'm making is that Christmas is big. Everything about it is big. The gifts are big, the parties are big, the plans are big, everything is big, but it is the little ordinary things that make Christmas, Christmas. It's being with one's family. Now that's not gonna be a story on the news, but that makes Christmas, Christmas. I remember as a boy, I used to go to my grandparents for Christmas, and I always looked forward to that. Because that was a time when I was with my grandparents, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, and, and it was just a wonderful time of families being together. And then those activities that become traditions for us, that's what makes Christmas, Christmas. Playing flag football, watching television, um, whatever it is that we do, overeating, all of those things, Christmas vacation, all of that, that's what makes Christmas, Christmas, the ordinary things. Take your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse number 8. And in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly 
there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Some years ago, Rex Humbard and his wife went to an Elvis concert. After the concert, they were invited back to his hotel room. While they were there, Mrs. Humbard said to Elvis, Elvis, I've been praying for you. He said, well, what are you praying for? She said, I am praying that you will commit your life to Jesus Christ because if you did so, millions of people would follow and be born into the kingdom. I think that is generally what we believe, that if someone who is well-known, someone of significance becomes a follower of Christ, then others become a follower as well. And yet the truth is, it is ordinary people who lead ordinary people to faith in Christ. It is ordinary parents who lead their children to faith in Christ. Joseph and Mary were ordinary people. Mary, she was not an important person. In fact, had it not been for the birth of Christ, we would never have heard of Mary. She was not a prophetess. She obviously loved God, but she was not a prophetess nor a religious leader. She was not a celebrity. In fact, she couldn't even get a room at the inn in Bethlehem. Now, Kim Kardashian could have gotten a room there, but Mary couldn't. Mary was not a celebrity. She was an ordinary person. Joseph was an ordinary man. He was not wealthy. He worked as a builder, as a carpenter, as a stone cutter, but he built for a living. He was an ordinary man. He was not an influential person. The Bible says that he was a righteous man, but he was just a normal man. There was nothing special about Joseph and Mary except for Jesus. When God was going to announce the birth of his son, he chose to announce it to ordinary shepherds. Now what's that about? You would think that if God were going to announce the birth of his son, that he would have put it on Twitter or on Facebook, he'd have bought a billboard, he would have done something, but he went to ordinary shepherds to tell them. Look at verse number 10. The angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The announcement was made to ordinary shepherds. When we go to Israel, you see those shepherds today. They are still out there taking care of their sheep, just ordinary shepherds. These shepherds were not wealthy people. They were poor. They were Bedouins who followed their flock from place to place. They were not men of influence or status. The point is, God uses ordinary people for his work. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, There were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. God uses the ordinary. 
Why is that? I mean, it doesn't make sense to us, does it? So why does God use the ordinary? Because it is about Him. It is not about me. God uses ordinary people because it's about Him. For instance, God chose David to be the king of Israel. I doubt that we would have chosen David. David was a shepherd boy. And when Samuel came to anoint the next king of Israel, he didn't pick out David. He picked the older brother because he was impressive to him. And Jesse, the father, didn't even put David in the lineup. He left him out taking care of the sheep because he wasn't impressed with David either. So David was a shepherd boy who was not impressive to the prophet, not impressive to his father. He was not impressive to Saul. When David went to Saul and said, I will fight Goliath, the Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, 33, then Saul said to David, you are but a youth while he has been a warrior from his youth. Isn't that what we do oftentimes with young people, with students? I mean, they want to count for God. They're excited about the Lord. And we look at them and say, well, their intentions are good, but hey, you're just kids. And Goliath is a warrior from his youth. Saul wasn't impressed with him. Goliath wasn't impressed with him either. When David went to the battlefield, 1 Samuel 17, verse 42, when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, but God chose him. See, what I want you to see is that David was a shepherd boy. There was nothing special about him. No one picked him out as being someone special, but God used him. And when he defeated Goliath, who received glory? It was God because God had to do it. Gideon, when the Lord was going to deliver the Israel from the Midianites, he chose Gideon. I doubt that we would have chosen him. Because when we are introduced to Gideon, Gideon is hiding from the Midianites. The Bible says that he was in the wine press threshing out wheat. Why was he in the wine press if he's threshing out wheat? Because he's hiding from the Midianites. And yet God chose him. He was to lead Israel in the fight against the Midianites and they had victory. And who received the credit? God did. Because you see, Gideon couldn't have done it. Not Gideon. When the Lord was going to feed the multitude, he chose the lad with a lunch. We don't even know his name. He was insignificant. We don't know him. But that's who God used. Uh, point is, is that you may not be wealthy. You not, may not be powerful. But that does not mean, dear friend, that God will not use you. We look at people sometimes and we judge them, we measure them by saying, well, they have this or they have that education or they have this connection or they have that connection. And we would not say it, but we conclude that God couldn't do anything great through them. I grew up in Iowa Park, Texas. Most of you don't know where that is. You would have no reason to know what, where it is. So what am I doing at First Baptist Columbia? God put me here. I, I believe that from the day that I came, before I came, that God 
put me here. And as Larry Thompson, the pastor of First Baptist Fort Lauderdale said, if God can use Wendell, he can use anybody. I mean, look at Billy Graham. Billy Graham what was working at a dairy. I mean, his family had a dairy in North Carolina and became the greatest evangelist this world has ever known. How did that happen? Someone taking care of cows? God, God uses ordinary people. He always has. He uses ordinary people. God uses ordinary places. He oftentimes does his work in insignificant places like Bethlehem, verse number four. Joseph also went up from Galilee from the city of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, where, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and family of David. Bethlehem, that, that is not the political center of the world back during that time. That would be Athens, that would be Rome, that would be Jerusalem, but not Bethlehem, not Bethlehem. A small town about five miles from Jerusalem, Bethlehem. In fact, it was so insignificant, it, it didn't even have a wall around the city. Jerusalem has a wall. Jericho had a wall, not Bethlehem. Bethlehem was so insignificant, it wasn't even walled. It was not an international city, very provincial. Corinth was the international city. It was the city of world trade, not Bethlehem, and yet God chose Bethlehem. The prophet prophesied in Micah 5.2, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. One of the strange things about God is that great events often happen in ordinary places. And that's what make them extraordinary places because of the event. When Jesus established the Lord's Supper, he did so in a borrowed room. When Jesus fed the multitude, it was in a pasture overlooking the Sea of Galilee. I've been there many times. There's not anything significant about it, nothing special about it. It's just a pasture. There's some grass there. And that's where Jesus fed the multitude. When Jesus was buried, he was buried in a borrowed tomb. Most of Paul's letters were written from prison. It's while he was in prison that he wrote the letters that we read today. An insignificant place, Martin Luther King wrote his letter from Birmingham jail, and yet God often speaks from insignificant places, doesn't he? Oftentimes he speaks in places we would never have. I mean, if God is going to say something, surely he'll say it in New York City. He'll say it in Paris, he'll say it somewhere like that. But God often speaks in insignificant places. Why? Why is that? Because there's not so much to distract the message. Because we can hear God there. When Moses was at taking care of the, uh, of the sheep. And he saw the bush that was burning but not consumed. And he went over and God said to him, take off your shoes, your own holy ground. There was not anything out there to distract Moses from hearing the message of God. And so when the Lord is going to announce the birth of his son, he made the announcement 
to shepherds in a lonely field. In verse 8, and in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. It was there that God made the announcement because it was there that they could hear. Folks, oftentimes when God speaks to us, he has to get us away from all the noise so we can hear his voice. And sometimes I don't hear the voice of God because of all the noise. Sometimes it's religious noise. And I fail to hear the voice of God. God often speaks to his people in insignificant, unimportant places because the thing that is important is his message. The thing that is important is him, not us. His message, not the noise. And then God uses ordinary possessions to accomplish his work. We think many times that one has to be powerful or wealthy for God to use us, but that's never been so. See, that's the reason sometimes we excuse ourselves, just like, just like they did in the Bible. When God speaks to some of you students, you'll say, well, I, I, God can't use me. I'm too young and inexperienced. That's what Jeremiah said. When God speaks to some of you and says, I want to use you, you say, well, I'm too old. That's what Abraham said. And so sometimes we excuse ourselves when God wants to use us. God uses insignificant possessions to do his work. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, I love the story. In fact, Ken Meadema wrote a song about it. It's a long song. You can never do it in church because it's so long. I guess it could be the sermon or something, but it's, a, but it's about Moses' staff. And Moses' staff was just an ordinary staff. I mean, it was a shepherd's staff. That's all that it was. It had a crook on one end, and that was used to rescue the, the sheep, the animal. If they fell in a crevice or something, he could hook it around the sheep's head and pull the sheep up. On the other side, there was a point that was to ward off predators when they came. It was just an ordinary shepherd's staff. And yet it became a miracle one when it was touched by God. In fact, the scripture says that, that it became a serpent. When it was touched by God, it became a serpent. And it's interesting in the story, you can read it in the story. It begins by referring to the staff of Moses. But as it goes on, it says the staff of God. That that was insignificant, nothing but a common shepherd's tool became an instrument of God, and God used it. The widow of Zarephath, she had nothing. Elijah came to her and requested something to eat, and she said, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. She said, I'm going to take what I have and prepare it for my son and me. We're going to eat it. We're going to die because that's the last we have. We don't have anything else. But her ordinary possession became extraordinary in the hand of God. The Bible says in 1 Kings 17, 16, the bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. She didn't have anything. Elijah came to her and said, I want you to provide something for me to eat. She said, I don't have anything. All I have is just a jar of oil, a little bit of flour. 
and I'm going to go and prepare that, and my son and I will eat it and we'll die. He said, but I still want you to prepare something for me. And in faith, she made that little bit that she had available to God, and the Bible says that the supply was not exhausted. God took the little bit that she had and turned it into something else. The woman who was giving her offering about a quarter of a penny, and Jesus said what she gave was more than all the others. They might have given more, but they also kept more. So Jesus said what she gave is more than all the others. The Christmas story is about ordinary things used by God. I mean, it is, it is beautiful. It's a beautiful story. And Steve, when we do the pageant and I see the majesty of it, I mean, I am always touched. I'm always blessed by it. But the truth is, that's not the way it happened when it happened. It was God's using the ordinary. He used an innkeeper's cave. There are a lot of caves like that in that area. You can be in the in the uh, shepherd's field, which is there by Bethlehem, and there are caves out there. I've been in those caves. So there, there are a number of caves that are they're common. There's not anything special about them. But this one became significant because the Savior was born there, not because it was a cave, but because the Savior was born there. And then you look in verse number 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. The clothes were ordinary. There was no royal robe put on Jesus when he was born. There were no designer labels put on him when he was born. It was just a common square of cloth. That's all. It was just a common piece of cloth that they wrapped him in. Well, let me conclude. God uses the ordinary for his purposes. You see, we think God cannot use us unless it's extraordinary. No, God uses the ordinary and it becomes extraordinary, but only because God has touched it. God uses the ordinary. The baby whose birth we celebrate became the Savior. God had promised that he was going to send a Messiah when Jesus was born. The Messiah had come. So we celebrate the birth of a baby who became a Savior. Baby, Savior. Ordinary shepherds, they became the first witnesses. They were just out taking care of the sheep, doing what they did. And God spoke to them about the Savior, and those ordinary, regular shepherds became the first witnesses of the birth of the Messiah. Fishermen, they became disciples who shared the gospel with the world. Those ordinary fishermen who made their living by catching fish in the Sea of Galilee became disciples who shared the gospel with the world. Ordinary, used of God. You, for lack of a better word, are ordinary. 
so am I. Abraham Lincoln said, God must have loved the common man. He made so many of them. We are just people. Isn't it incredible that someone like you, someone like I, can become a child of God by putting our faith in Jesus Christ? Me? A child of God? Joey? That might be stretching it a little bit, but joy, child of God. Because of Jesus. You see, Jesus took our sins upon himself and paid the price for our sins that he could give to us the gift of eternal life. God uses the ordinary for his purposes. This is an ordinary day. It's an ordinary day. My friend, it can be an extraordinary day in your life. If you have never committed your life to Christ and you did so, that means a million years from now, you will be in heaven because of this moment. Some of you have gotten away from the Lord. Today you need to return to the Lord because God can use your life and bless your life. This can be a special day for you. It is all in our response to the Lord. Our Father in God, we thank you so much for Jesus who takes the ordinary and makes it special. Lord, we thank you for Jesus who gave his life that we might have life. And Father, I thank you for this hour, this time when we can respond to your grace. In Christ's name, amen. In just a moment, we're going to stand and the choir is going to sing an invitation hymn. If you're here without Christ, would you commit your life to him today? Staff will be here to pray with you. You're looking for a church home, our doors are open to you. If God's spoken to your heart, let me encourage you to come today. Stand with me, please, as they sing, you come, I'll greet you as you do.